1: It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson.
0: Hello,
2: everyone, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progressive Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey.
0: And I'm Dr. Davidson.
2: Uh, so today, on today's episode, we are going to talk, uh, again, You know, we always talk about hormones, uh, <laughs> but we're going to talk about actually hormones and behavior you know, how, how the two are connected, how hormones uh, actually influence behavior, you know, like all the time. Like every day, our entire lives, almost everything that we are as human beings in some ways kind of traces back to certainly genetics, right? That's uh, obvious. Uh, but hormones, as they ebb and flow on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, it is having a huge impact on behavior.
0: And I know as humans, we have our free will to decide what's right and what we should do and how we're feeling, but at the same time, just like if you don't get enough sleep at night, you're going to be grump, maybe grumpy or a little more tendency towards irritability the next day. Just like if you haven't eaten for a while and you're hungry, that could influence your behavior, but that's the same thing with hormones. Like we've been talking about reproductive hormones, thyroid hormones, adrenal hormones, they all can have an impact to our behavior. It doesn't mean that it dictates our behavior, but it could have you know, an influence on it.
2: Yeah, right. And this might seem like an obvious idea or an obvious concept, but I think it's one that certainly in medicine that is not really taken into consideration very often. Uh, Now, as we are planning this episode, uh, you know, we were kind of joking back and forth a little bit. And I think that a a very common example, or maybe in some ways, a stereotypical example of hormones and behavior is women with PMS. Uh, right? You know, maybe men or husbands or boyfriends are making a joke about it, or there's this kind of uh, statement, uh, maybe not a statement, but, you know, men have this idea that hormones only affect women for this one week of the month. Um, but it's really, you know, it's really much more than that. It's really on a, on a perpetual basis. And it's not just women, right? The same uh, types of hormones are having the, you know, having a similar impact on men.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's, hormones have an effect on whether you're male or female, ages, you know, it spans the ages. It does have that effect. And like Dr. Mackey was saying, it might seem obvious, but sometimes when you break it down, it's like, oh yes, of course. And just like when we talk with our patients, there, you know, there is a little bit of a stereotype of females before their period feeling a little, as they call it, you know, PMS-y that, you know, it can happen. Um, It is common. It is, but there are so many other aspects of hormones that can affect your or influence your behavior, but, you know, just already talking about it, Um, Characteristically, a a menstruating female, you know, before their period, anywhere between, you know, one day to two weeks before their period, their progesterone may not come up high enough, and that can influence their behavior. Um, You know, when you have a like we've talked about on estrogen dominance and low progesterone, the symptoms that can go with that is it's very common, especially for lower progesterone, is to have a little bit of irritability. Um, Part of the reason we were talking about this is we didn't want to just point the finger at females, but I had a patient the other day and i have her on some progesterone before her period and she's so happy her husband's so happy he even commented this last month that you know that raginess or that anger that sometimes at least for her would c- come out of control for no reason has has significantly decreased enough to where you know the family members were noticing it and she was noticing it as well so you know it was a positive way all you know all around the board
2: yeah right i i uh, and i we've both have had several examples of uh, of that Especially some of that rage, irritability, and frustration that ends up happening. You, uh, you uh, prescribe some female hormones, and they're you know within a relatively short period of time, they're a completely different person. I remember uh, in California, uh, one of the uh, earlier patients that I had in California, she came in. She was, uh, let's just say, she was a little bit abrasive a little bit angry Uh, but her and I she took to me really quickly she you know her and I uh, you know hit it off fairly well even though she was you know very you know you could just feel it almost coming off of her the the anger and the frustration and then she came back you know three months later or whatever it was after she had started the hormones and she came in she was smiling she you know you know literally smiling from almost ear to ear and you know she had this completely different uh, disposition to herself and I even asked her I says uh, has any one of your friends or family, your husband, anyone, kind of noticed anything about you? Like yeah, everyone says, how much happier I am these days. I'm like, shocker. And she didn't even really realize it at, at the moment. But I, it was so, it was so black and white. It was like so clear to understand or to notice. Uh, Because I've seen her, I've seen her basically two times. I've seen her in person the first time, I've seen her in person the second time, and it was like a completely different person on how she carried herself and how, you know, how all that anger and frustration, irritability was just gone.
0: Yeah, so even with, um, like, libido, we talk about sex drive all the time, and I'll have um, women in their 20s that say, you know, their sex drive ran away and they can't find it. And then, of course, menopausal females and males will complain about low sex drive. So, when your hormones, you know, hormones do dictate, you know, a sex drive or a libido.
2: Yeah. And that's uh, obviously uh, sometimes that can be a challenge to get, you know, libido. And libido, when we're talking libido, we're talking uh, on a brain level. Like for men, it's you got a brain issue and you got a plumbing problem, right? Making sure the equipment works, that's erectile dysfunction but making sure for both genders that the brain works well, you know, so the thought and the desire and the urge in the brain is actually still present. That is all happening because of the rise and fall in hormones. And it's ironic, uh, you know, we've talked about the Wiley Protocol a couple of times. The Wiley Protocol is an example of what they call rhythmic dosing, right? So we're trying to, for both genders, we're trying to mimic what the hormones would normally do for a reproductive age male or female. Uh, now, granted, men can stay reproductive age pretty much their entire life. You know, there's probably been, you know, I think Hugh Hefner. How old was he when he had his last child? He was probably in his seventies, you know, sixties or seventies. You know, for women, their window is a little bit shorter than that. They have a kind of a finite window. But with the Wiley protocol, if you map out, this is very, you know, this is very interesting, and this is how. Without even realizing it, women rule the world and men don't really realize that. And I've said that to some patients a few times. They all kind of chuckle a little bit. But the female cycle... It's predominated by two peaks of hormone, or actually three peaks of hormone. You have, you know, the first half of the month is a peak of estrogen. And then the second half of the month month is a peak of progesterone. In the middle, there's a peak of testosterone right around ovulation. And that peak of testosterone is a way for the woman's libido in the moment to kind of raise within a kind of a few day window. So it encourages the likelihood that intercourse might happen and then conception. And, you know, you, the woman's going to get pregnant and give birth. A man's testosterone level actually copies what the woman's does. So the men, you know, like they talk about in college dormitories where women cycles will align, well, men's cycle kind of aligns to the female cycle and his testosterone will peak roughly about the same time as the female cycle does. So even on a subconscious level, like we're not even aware of these kinds of things that happen, um, but, you know, there's multiple examples on how these things dictate our behavior all the time
0: then on, you know, on a flip side, I've had couples come in and the fella might say, you know what, I think she needs some testosterone because her libido, she doesn't have a libido, she doesn't have a sex drive. I think she needs some testosterone. But really, when we kind of break it down, libido is also, you know, hugely influenced by your thyroid. If you're tired, uh, you're not going to want to engage in any extracurricular activities. And you think about most of those extracurricular activities are going to happen in the evening time. And when you've been busting through the whole day to get everything done, by the time the day's done and you have fatigue or your thyroid's off, you don't want to engage. Where men are a little different. They can be as tired as they want to be and they don't necessarily, they're usually pretty, you know, up for the challenge. But with females, sometimes it's not even about those, um, you know, those reproductive hormones. It's about, let's, you know, let's get that energy up.
2: Yeah right yeah and even uh, you know for both genders even cortisol too cortisol cortisol if you're stressed on a regular basis that's why uh, and as we've talked about in a couple of different scenarios the body is about instantaneous survival and if you're stressed out on a regular basis you know whether it's psychological or physical uh, your you know your your body is going to prioritize and reproduction at that point kind of gets pushed to the side because it's worrying about surviving if you're telling your body on a daily basis that you're starving to death and running from a tiger. Uh, you know, reproduction is going to be, you know, is going to be deprioritized, you know, fairly significantly. And that's why the thoughts on the brain that translate into that kind of behavior, it just doesn't happen.
0: That is funny you say that because that's a really common theme, especially because, you know, I mainly see probably more females than males is there, you know, these these ladies are stressed out you know they got a thousand things to do and then another thousand things to do on their to-do list that never get done so they're they're stressed out maybe they're exercising too much so they're you know they're stressing out their body physically and the like dr mackey said is the the body can't differentiate between am I, you know, at war or attacking someone or someone's attacking me, or am I just, you know, putting too much on my plate? So it'll automatically turn off that libido because we know as females for, for gestation, it's nine months and then caring for a child is forever, right? Literally forever. That a lot of times it will turn off sort of that libido in the brain because I'll ask females, just like Dr. Mackey was saying is, you know, is it in your brain or once things get rocking and rolling, are they okay downstairs? And they're like, yeah, that's fine, but it's really kind of having to do with the brain, which I do think comes back to the adrenals and the cortisol.
2: Yeah. And for men, as the the stress maybe in the short term for men, sometimes acute stress actually increases libido. Um, but then as that, you know, life in America, right? Life in America is about, you know, long-term chronic stress. You got family, you got mortgage, you got job, you got this, you got that. And it's almost like in the population that we deal with, it's almost like the 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 older we get, the more stress and responsibility we have. When we're in our 20s, we're in college, or we're, you know, just getting, getting started in our adult life, there's no stress. I mean, ultimately, there's no stress. Students sometimes stress about college. Let's be real. College is easy. We would all probably love to go back to college because it's so much easier than the real world, so to speak. Getting to, you know, getting to sleep, go to class, you show up, take a couple of tests, you're hanging out with your friends all the time. But we, you know, we do stress about, you know, those types of things. But, you know, as time goes on, and this is the challenging part, when our hormones are changing, both metabolic hormones and and the reproductive hormones uh, now we have all this extra stress, but we don't have the hormonal, hormonal capacity to be able to handle it. And now, you know, that behavior. So a man's ambition, his drive, his motivation, his libido, you know, all these physical, all these things that dictate his behavior on a daily basis is dictated by the status of those hormones.
0: And then just on another side note that we see a lot um, that you know, the hormones have an influence on is memory. You know, people say, oh, my brain, you know, brain fog is a hugely common term that people will say is I've just got this brain fog, but I'm still like, well, you can drive a car, right? Yeah, I can do all those things that I kind of don't have to think about too much that I do on a daily basis. But when it comes to answering questions or, you know, writing, I'm taking these post-it notes, I'm writing notes everywhere, and then I lose my notes and I forget what I'm doing is brain fog is a big component that I think that our hormones actually influence.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, these, uh, so, you know, we're trying to touch on, uh, and then uh, the, the stress is certainly that kind of uh, blends in. You mentioned sleep already. That's where, you know, uh, the sleep is a completely hormonally driven, uh, you know, driven process. So, you know, you have the, the stress and then the sleep, and then it just creates these vicious cycles, uh, you know, and, you know, your, your cogn- cognitive function is is going to be uh, sacrificed along the way as all that imbalance continues.
0: Just like another podcast that we had done the preg- about pregnenolone. Um, pregnenolone is a hormone that, of course, is highest when we're young, and it comes down slowly with time, and it's really great for short-term memory and for learning. But when you're under a lot of stress, pregnenolone is very sensitive to acute... Um, acute and chronic levels of stress that it'll dive in a a heartbeat. So And then when that pregnenolone drops, that's why people say, you know what, I kind of get forgetful, or people have to remind me of things, or I ask the same question twice. So, you know, memory is a big one. And just like Dr. Mackey had just mentioned too, of course, if you're not sleeping well, Everything kind of falls to the wayside. If you if you didn't get a good night's sleep, you're not going to be clear headed. Your energy is not going to be good. Your mood's not going to be good. And as we've always touched on in the past with a lot of the podcasting is when you're tired, when you're not sleeping well, is that can increase up your appetite.
2: Yeah, right. So you know, and that's probably one of the bigger ones where and when some of these patterns, whatever it is, whether it's your brain, whether it's your irritability, you know, these different emotions, these behaviors that begin to happen you kind of take it personal you start to kind of feel bad about yourself and then really a great way to feel bad about yourself is when you don't have really a lot of quote unquote self control when it comes to food or you know, when you're stressed out when you're not sleeping your brain's going to want sugar uh, it's going to want refined carbohydrates in some ways again that's the body's attempt at survival it wants the you know, when you're starving to death and running from a tiger, which is what the stressful environment we live in is all about, your brain's telling you eat. You know, eat the Doritos, eat the you know, eat the sugar, eat the whatever it might be, uh, and we sometimes feel like we don't have any you know any discipline or willpower to stay away from those
0: things. Yeah, just like, I mean, myself included will say, you know what, I'm going to start eating a little bit better on Monday or at the first, you know, or at the, you know, the the first of the month, that's my, my date and it comes and it goes and we can't do it because the hormones really do dictate your appetite where their willpower just usually isn't strong enough for that biology For that, you know, controlling that behavior. So once we can kind of change up that biology, which we've always kind of talked about about that insulin and cortisol roller coaster. Once you can kind of um, balance that, then that appetite isn't quite so, you know, you know, horrendous for carbs and sugar. And then you can make then you can make those adjustments, and then you're kind of changing the hormones, which will help change that appetite along the way.
2: Yeah. So there's this, you know, uh, particular pathway in the brain. You look at some of the research. We've mentioned this before. Uh, you, you you talk about the hedonic pathway, the dopamine reinforcement pathway. Uh, when it comes to the sugar and the cravings, that that pathway kind of gets abused a little bit, uh, and that's why some of these uh, you know food-related behaviors are you know are really challenging to you know, try to correct because in some ways, again, your body is going back to that survival instinct that you know, you know they call it the lizard brain. Uh, you know this part. You know this kind of primitive part of our brain that is is dictating some of our choices and behaviors on a regular basis. So it is on, it's on so many different planes. It's on uh, almost a primitive level, you know, primitive-type behaviors, but then it's also on social interaction and community-type behaviors that the hormones are really, you know, really um, significant in almost all of them.
0: Now, you know, we're saying that the hormones help influence. We're not saying hormones are an excuse for bad behavior, but it is true when, you know, when things are off balance, it can have that influence.
2: Yeah, right. I was reading something the other day just about depression and this idea that depression is a a chemical imbalance, brain chemical imbalance. And I think that, you know, that, that idea is kind of fading. That's not really exactly you know, we used to see the commercials for Prozac. I guess uh, just recently it was the 30-year anniversary for Prozac, which is where this article came from. And they're talking about this. uh, We have been kind of convinced that it's this, you know, this chemical imbalance. But really what they're talking about, it's a little bit different. It's not quite so point blank as here, take this pill and this chemical imbalance gets uh, traded out. However, depression in, in general uh, does you kind of, you can definitely trace it back to being a hormone driven behavior, but it's a little bit more complicated than, you know, take a pill and you're, and you're fine. But, uh, you know, so there's, a, you know, from mental health issues to food, to sleep, to stress, to libido, to all these different emotions and, you know, things that we experience, you know, throughout the course of our lives on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, it is having, you know, hormones play a huge role in that process.
0: Yeah. So I know that in our other podcasts, we've kind of broke it down a little bit. We just um, kind of maybe made this a little bit more broad. but even when we're talking about we're like, yeah, it seems obvious that hormones would you know have an effect on our behavior, but I don't know if anybody really like thinks about it because it is true.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. And even you and I, like you said, as we were planning this, we're like, wow. You know, you think about all the different things, even GI function. You don't think of GI and hormones being, you know, being connected. But um, certainly, you know, all the different types you're stressed out, you're going to have GI upset. You're going to have heartburn. You're going to have constipation. You're going to have diarrhea. You're going to have all these different things um, that are related to, you know, the stress-based hormones. In so many different ways, uh, things are going to show up that way. um, That I think even medical professionals kind of take that for granted and they don't realize the connection there and and why we need to strive for some balance, you know, between all of those different hormones, the metabolic hormones, the female hormones, and then you can kind of take a little bit of a, a different assessment of the situation. But, you know, it, usually it's just about you, you look at some symptoms, you prescribe something, some kind of medication like the Prozac or something along those lines, and off they go. You know, obviously it's a lot more... Uh, there's, it's much more multifactorial. There's a lot more factors involved. And that's how we look, you know, that's the lens we look at everybody through. And, you know, really that's why I, why we're talking about this issue because that perspective is not taken enough on the medical side.
0: Because like you said, there's no real magic pill to, you know, help kind of corral this when really it's, um, as you would say, multifactorial that it, you know, encompasses so many parts, our entire body. I mean, and how many of you, and, And I'm sure there's plenty of you that have gone to the doctor and said, I don't really feel well. And they just try to give you an antidepressant. And it's not because they're bad people. I mean, they're just trying to help you, but those are the only tool or tools, I should say, one, you know, tool to really help somebody. I've had plenty of women that have come to me saying, they're trying to put me on birth control and antidepressants. And I don't know if that's my answer. They said, well, you know, everything is relative it may be but before you get stuck in that rut because it's very hard to come off of a, especially an antidepressant and and unless there's not any you know severe issues going on that would warrant that you know we can go in a little bit of a different direction so so something to think about before you know people run off and think you know oh I need to take a pill or I need to take something it's just well why am I not feeling well is it because I'm not sleeping well and that's coming down to maybe something that I can work on hormonally or is it because I have a lot of stress and I need to work if I just worked on that maybe some of these behavior um, behaviors would change it's you know it's just something for you to kind of tease apart a little bit
2: yeah right a way to kind of look at your own own life and as we're talking about your own behavior and kind of you know reverse engineer that a little bit and say you know where can this come from because it's not as simple as as here, just takes take a pill and you're good to go. It's it's much more complicated than that, which is why we thought this would be a, a good one to talk about. So, uh, for more information about us, you can visit our website progresshealth.com. You can. Access our content library. Just enter your your email. We have a bunch of resources in there. We're going to be contributing to that all the time. It's going to be kind of a growing resource for you know things that will help you do what we're talking about: balance your hormones naturally. Hopefully, you know, helping you achieve your you know health uh, you know health goals over time and and keeping your behavior good, right? Keeping you on the not necessarily the straight and narrow, but keeping you feeling balanced and keeping you feeling happy and productive. Um, that's really our goal here with the podcast.
0: Yeah, and and know that you know, you're not alone. This happens to all of us. I mean, this happens to Dr. Mackey and I, like, for example, I had the best sleep last night. I woke up so great at 5.30, ready to go. And of course, poor Dr. Mackey had to get up like a hundred times with the dog, our geriatric dog. So, so he didn't sleep good. So while I'm like, you know, running around the house like it's Christmas morning, wishing that he would get up. You know, he was tired and, you know, had to drag him out of bed a little bit later. And he'll get a great night's sleep tonight. And, you know, it's all relative. So know that, you know, little things like that can happen to anybody. But this is an issue, you know, across the board, male, female, all ages, genders, whatnot.
2: Yeah. So if you, uh, again, gave you some resources, if you have any questions, you want to share your story, uh, we'd love to hear, you know, uh, I think it's fascinating about how hormones do dictate behavior because we see it all the time. Uh, maybe we kind of take it for granted a little bit. Like we don't understand the impact necessarily. That's why we thought we would talk about this. And if we don't sometimes, if we miss that, we know everyone else is kind of missing that. So if you have any stories about, you know, hormones and behavior and, you know, either good or bad, you know, certainly share them with us. Uh, we'll uh, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast and, and share your story as well. So uh, Dr. Davidson, anything else to add for this one?
0: Uh, no, no, this was great.
2: All right. Uh, so until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey.
0: And I'm Dr. Davidson.
2: Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health Podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at ProgressYourHealth.com.